0: The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, marketers for dc Welcome to The Echo Chamber. This is Arun Sudhaman from The Homes Report. Um, we're quite excited about today's session. It's our review of 2016, and we're very lucky to be joined by two of our most popular guests from this year, Vicky Chowney from h k Strategies. Hello, Vicky. Hi and Stephen Waddington from Ketchum. Hello. Wads. Hello, sir. Thanks for having me. So it's great to have you both back in the studio. Um, and we're going to talk through some of the issues from this year. A pretty interesting year. How did you guys find the year? Exciting?
1: I do have to just point out the fact that you did just say a review of 2016. Yeah, so I did. It's oh, like God. a future future gazing.
0: Yeah, session. luckily I can edit that. <laughs> No, I actually, um, I keep doing that in,
1: the in emails away.
0: and and stories. I, I often write 2016. So we can do some 2016 forecasting, mm-hmm. 2015 reviews. Um, good year, exciting year. Both of you guys, I think, got promoted again and expanded your empires even further. Hence, you're here. Yeah, which is, you know.
2: I'm a little bit disappointed you haven't, you know, made a bit more of an effort. To be honest, or...
0: in in what way? Crackers, party hats, you know. I was yeah. quite looking forward to
1: some mulled wine. Yeah. To be honest, I was I we've expecting got that...
0: we've got a jug of water for goodness' yeah. sake. Well, I was expecting the giant media empires of the combined might of Omnicom and WPP to perhaps help us out with all of that.
1: <laughs> we no? were supposed to bring the party. Yeah. No. Oh
0: well. Fourth quarter freeze, maybe. <laughs> Four quarters looking very strong, (laughs) Of course, of course. So anyway, 2015, quite a year. Um, An interesting one for many reasons. We saw some some themes recur. Some stories get a lot of traffic on our website and elsewhere. Um, Let's start off maybe by talking about, I think, the theme that was 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 very popular throughout the year uh, long overdue i think um whether you're at davos or Cannes or wherever um (coughs) the issue of gender inequality and the imbalance at the top of the pr industry was certainly something that attracted a lot of attention this year we ran an analysis earlier in the year um it was our most read story of the year by my colleague arthy shah which demonstrated that of the top i think it was a hundred agencies in the world um only 30% are led by women, 70% are led by men. And actually, that's looking at their, their whole senior leadership team. Of course, once you, if you look at the industry as a whole, that proportion is reversed. Um, so not, uh, not before time, this was an issue that was discussed a lot, but uh, Vicky, as one of these women, do you feel like real progress has actually been made here or is it, or is it just maybe people paying lip service to the idea?
1: I don't think it's a particularly new issue. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think because of the greater focus on female related campaigns and work, that kind of feeds and filters into looking at the industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the can winners like a girl, you look at Jiggle from Sport England, you know the the prominence on female empowerment in those kinds of pieces of work, I actually think makes people question, okay, well, who are the people making that work? Mm. And are they men talking about men? Are they mixed teams? Is it women being pro-women? And that just gives it more of a prominence in kind of the news agenda. Um, mm. But it's not, it's not necessarily a new thing. And when I commented on it earlier in the year, it was because uh, one or... I can't remember who had released some research into mm-hmm. salary... And um, I'd said that most of the problem in terms of the pay gap, just taking the leadership Uh issue out out of the conversation, is about awareness of the issue. And it's such a weird contradiction because, on one hand, we all know that senior leaders are largely men, but actually when it comes to junior members of the teams... I don't think they're as aware of it as senior people are, mm-hmm. probably because they're largely coming into the industry for the first time. But also, that sense of awareness around pay gap and equality just isn't even an issue for them from the get go. Mm-hmm.
2: So, it was the CIPR that benchmarked this, um, mm-hmm. starting last year and then again this year. Yeah. And it found it wasn't just, you're exactly right, it wasn't just a leadership issue, it's an issue right the way across the profession the data from their analysis of the profession, interviewing you know, thousands of people across the profession, in the UK, mind, just in the UK, was that um, as a whole, there is a £12,000 pay gap mm-hmm. across the profession between yeah. men and women. So it's not just something as leadership, it's mm-hmm. right the way across. Yeah. And the huge contradiction there is that, and I think the number is greater than 70-30, um, you know, I... I th- I think looking around the industry, I think um, at an entry level, it's probably near a 90-10 of, mm-hmm. of women entering the profession. And that's mm-hmm. completely, re- but that is completely reversed at the at, mm. the at the top. Now the question is then, okay, we've identified it as an issue, what do we do about it? And I think that Vicky's right, the first thing is you've got to benchmark it because it's only by benchmarking it, you'll start to understand it. Mm-hmm. And then what do you do about it? Yeah, and I think that's where we are. What do we do about it? Have mm. recognised. It.
0: it was interesting that um, at our at our global PR summit we had um, uh, Kelly Parisi speaking from Lean In organization. So that's Cheryl Sandberg's organization, and she's the head of Kelly's the head of communications. And she said that unlike other industries, public relations doesn't have a pipeline problem; it has a promotion problem. Mm. So the pipeline is good. There's lots of of you know. Very well qualified, talented women coming into the industry, um, but do you agree that they're not being promoted enough? I, 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 do, I do disagree
2: with the pipeline issue. I think I think there's there's if you look broadly to, to Vicky's initial point that we should really represent the publics that we seek to engage with, then I think you know across the profession there is an issue with pipeline with with diversity. Um, you know from from ethnic minorities uh, especially Um, Mm -hmm. and I think it's more of a you know there's an even bigger issue there to to be tackled.
1: Totally and Mm. the the promotion issue just define that for me do you mean promotion in terms of people getting promoted Mm -hmm. or promotion as in promoting the industry
0: oh no i think people getting promoted people getting yeah, promoted. So people moving upwards
1: <clears throat> so her perception is that women aren't getting promoted
0: as mm-hmm. much yeah they're not moving upwards at this you know the rate that men are
1: yeah i mean there's a it comes back to the to the point that as an employer if you look at a man who is in the office full time mm-hmm. and who is able to commit you know a full week to being in the office versus someone who wants to work flexibly, it's often an easier choice and a lazier choice, perhaps, to go for the person who's in the office all the time. There's still very much in PR this sense of presenteeism. And it's often, Mm -hmm. therefore, the working environment that makes it quite challenging for women to get promoted. So I do kind of agree that that's probably part of the issue um i think there's you know it's a super complex one and there are other factors involved like women feeling like they'll only go for the jobs that they can do what 90 percent of and men feeling like they you know they will actually go for promotions even if they can only do a small portion of the skills required um Mm. and that kind of filters into everything where you see a gender imbalance speakers ceos leaders that kind of thing Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a complex issue, but I guess promotion is a natural part of it, yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, I think it it is complex. Coming back to what you said about the, uh, the salary gap um, via the CIPR research, and as you said, the first step is benchmarking it, um, but how do we get behaviour to change? Because, I mean, it's remarkable that there's such a big gap, really, in this day and age.
1: So f- for me, it's two things. One, it's a commitment for... Businesses to be fairer, mm-hmm. and then on the reverse for younger people coming into the industry, being given more awareness of that as a as a pay gap, and it doesn't necessarily have to be. Did you know that when you go into this job, you will get paid on average twelve thousand pounds less? It's just more. These are the benchmarking exercises that have been done by the CIPR. Just be more aware of what people in your same role and level might get paid Mm -hmm. and when you are then going through your career and getting promoted etc etc refer back to these as industry standards and i think that sense of visibility around those things can can actually only be implemented by people like the cipr because they have that sense of um independence Mm -hmm.
2: so you often get a response to this issue being uh, women need assertiveness training, I'll, I, you know, I don't know about you know the organisations, other people working, but I work with some pretty assertive women. Um, and I don't think that's the issue <laughs> at all, to be honest. I think mm-hmm. it comes down to a sense of fairness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes down to the responsibility of the profession to basically grow up and address this. And I think the only way uh, of doing that is through uh, open, transparent ways, so so publishing benchmarks, publishing salary ranges, mm-hmm. so that people have got the data then to, to make their case. Mm-hmm. I
1: completely agree. And, you know, getting the big agencies to commit to it and, you know, from their perspective, the ones who have been really open about the fact that gender and, you know, equality is on their list for 2016, mm-hmm. will fine you know, make an open commitment and stick to it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the work-life balance, the, I, I, well, I, so I don't agree with the term work-life balance. I think there's just life and, and work fits within that. Um, but that is a very, very real issue and I see that around uh, our business in, in particular. Um, But there isn't, you know, in 2015, there's absolutely no reason for it when we are able to work so flexibly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so long as you've got a connection to the Internet, you can Mm. engage with Mm -hmm. your clients, the media uh, and anyone that that you want to. So I think that's starting to change. um, But, you know, it requires open and, and sensible leadership to see that through
0: yeah and vicky you you, when we talked about south by southwest i mean you had some observations there about the role um of of women within the more kind of more digital industries i mean do do you feel like we're going to see more progress um there as well
1: yeah i mean i i think probably digital suffers a, a similar problem when you look at a lot of the the digital industry it's it's Probably more even than the PR industry, but then again, when you get to the top, a lot of the senior leaders are uh, men. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the point about South by Southwest was that it was fantastic to see more women there. Brilliant! It was phenomenal to see more women speaking, which I love. <laughs> um, but it was often a kind of top-down approach, and yes, mm-hmm. that does a tremendous job of raising more kind of awareness of the issue. But it was senior people talking about the perspective of younger women in the industry rather than younger women talking about their own perspectives Mm -hmm. or just talking about the great work that they were doing. Mm -hmm. And actually, a lot of the sessions at South By and Cannes were women talking about gender rather than women talking about about great work. Yeah,
0: so that's something for sure I think maybe got to guard against as well.
1: Yeah.
0: Sorry, sorry.
1: No, go. For but
2: that, well, but that's an issue of uh, the industry being needing to be open and, and grown up, and yeah. you know, uh, just not accepting anything less than parity on mm. on events,
1: yeah.
2: such as South by Southwest, such as Home Report event.
1: But I have, you know, I do have um, friends who work in events and awards, and I've had so many conversations with them where they've said. You have no idea how hard it is to get women to judge and speak. Yeah. It's and, hard. And, and these are women doing it yeah. and trying to be inclusive and trying to make sure that there yeah. is that sense of parity. And, you know, I feel for them because they are aware of it yeah. and they're, they're desperate to readdress it.
0: Yeah, and you're up against the clock. That's mm. what it comes down to, I think. And we have a a, a 50% target for all of our events mm. Um and I think this year we met it on all events except one mm. um and it's hard, but it's not impossible yeah it comes honestly it comes down to planning yeah, but this is not an industry where you know planning events is necessarily um prioritized apart from ours, obviously, which is really well planned but in general, it's hard when you're up against the clock to find someone who will who will just step up so to I, do an
2: event. If I look at the community, some of the community projects I've run this year, PR Stack, for, mm. for example, when I've put a call out to invite people to participate, mm-hmm. the response is predominantly men, mm-hmm. and you have to work hard and invite, have conversations one-on-one yeah, with yeah. women who you know, are, you know have the expertise and capability to, to persuade them to, to step up mm-hmm. to to do that yeah. I think that's got to be done yeah I totally
0: agree you just have to do it I mean it's you just can't settle for the the easier yeah the easier the option. option the lazy option mm. exactly um so if we talk a little about the campaigns that were really um that really resonated this year I mean there was one in particular on this same theme always like a girl mm. uh which you know cleaned up kind of everywhere at yeah. every award show uh and a good example of of um this issue of kind of female empowerment but Again, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's a campaign that was devised primarily by men. Um
1: I don't know the makeup of the team. Do you know I actually I, I'm more impressed by the Sport England one.
0: Oh, I, this girl every, can?
1: No, yeah, so the one? Jiggle oh, one. Oh jiggle,
0: yeah. Sounds, every
1: yeah. time I watch that video, I enough. get chills. Oh, I enough. just I just love it. It's yeah. brave, it's strong, mm-hmm. it's new, it's just Absolutely fantastic piece of work, mm. and it's not apologetic for the fact that it's de- trying to deal with that issue. Yeah, like it's brilliant work.
0: So tell t- tell the listeners exactly the. Do you have the name of the campaign or it's Sport England, right? It's
1: Sport England, and it's either called uh, "This Girl Can" or "Jiggle." I can't okay. remember. which We'll put one. it in
0: the in the show notes. We'll yeah. link to it.
1: But what? it's essentially the it's the piece of work that a government body did to raise the awareness and visibility of women not doing sports. Mm-hmm. And they'd done a fantastic piece of research to look at the reasons behind it. And largely it was because of fear about feeling like they didn't look good enough or they wouldn't perform well enough. And mm-hmm. it was very much about personal lack of self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And so they decided to film this incredibly brave video that shows real women of all shapes and sizes doing a variety of sports mm-hmm. and showing them for what they are, sweating, huffing, puffing, really getting into it. And it's set to a Missy Elliott track. So it's incredibly well shot and very bold and in instantly memorable Um and they did some incredible seeding work where they launched their social channels, did some work with influencers ahead of the launch, and they then they played the film in a Coronation Street ad break. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely blew up, and it went crazy mm-hmm. because it was just brave and really well shot and unapologetic. And I just I loved it. I thought it was a wonderfully simple, very classic campaign approach. Um, and they've really managed to extend the life of it by looking at the next stages partnering with fantastic people who wanted to help support so they've just done t-shirts with Mm m&s that sold out in seconds and Mm -hmm. all go back to supporting women in sport um it's just a lovely piece of work cool
0: What's any favorite campaigns this year
1: um so
2: just to pick up on your point first of all that 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 came out of a, a mm-hmm. maybe came out of an ad agency we don't know um, <laughs> <laughs> that's another debate it's but, another but can it is wine. but I don't think we need to worry about that no, we don't. too much yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I agree the fact is there's some brilliant work being done that's completely integrated and mm-hmm. you know public relations is around the table with creative with digital with the ad mm-hmm. uh, agencies um I've just backed from from judging Europe best uh, in in Antwerp uh, a couple of weeks ago. in such of the...
0: a jet setter. So... I think Vicky's just come back from New York, possibly.
1: Dubai and New York.
0: Dubai and yeah. New York, so if she wins. Sorry, okay. but go on. <laughs> some of the work there. I'm back from Brazil, by the way. Just there. Anyway, go on.
2: <laughs> some of the work there was absolutely incredible, and the very best work uh, was integrated and was rooted in um, a very emotional response. It was also very brave, I think. So a uh, standout piece of work f- for me mm-hmm. was um, promoting the issue of, of HIV. Now, HIV is, you know, a 10 year old issue. Um, it's uh, disappeared from the public consciousness. Consequently, there's issues with fundraising awareness all the way, through, uh, all, all around. Um, and uh, the, the one of the winning pieces of work that I absolutely adored. Um, um, was a magazine that was p- printed, uh, a magazine called Vandergeist that's distributed in the Netherlands and, and Belgium, that was printed using a blood that was made from um, from ink, um, including blood from from HIV sufferers, um, and it was very very simple, very very elegant but simple design construct. And when you picked up this physical magazine, it said on the front, this magazine is printed using the blood of HIV sufferers. You were immediately wow. challenged emotionally mm-hmm. with how you felt about then mm-hmm. opening that. And, oh, and by the way, the magazine was distributed in a, in a clear plastic envelope and you had to open it. So you're confronted with this Which challenge is, yeah. very consciously. Mm. Is this going to be safe? Am I going to be okay? Now, of course you were, you know, mm. absolutely safe. But um, they did a fant absolutely fantastic uh, job and by the way, the campaign was from Saatchi. Saatchi and oh. Saatchi Fantastic job seeding that with with media, um, and some of the responses from people opening this um, this publication were absolutely priceless and just put this issue right onto the forefront. Um, oh. Again, beautiful piece of work.
1: It's interesting when I was um, thinking earlier about what I what what kind of summed up two thousand fifteen for me. I was going to say something really similar to that, in that for me 2015 was very much the start of PR growing up a bit and forgetting the bickering of PR versus ad versus media versus creative and actually it being about who's come up with the idea and what's the idea and if it's great then fantastic that it comes from PR agency. And the only way to move that forward is to working in in an integrated sense. Mm -hmm. We've been banging on about that for years. Mm. But it really feels like at the moment, because there have been a number of campaigns that have come where the big idea has come from PR. Mm -hmm. There's finally a bit of acceptance that we can have that take that role and have that seat at the table.
0: Mm. I mean, just to play devil's advocate a little bit, there's a lot of people that would say that the big ideas are not coming enough from pr now whether I that did matters say or not the start of <laughs> the start so <laughs> i, I kind of t- i always take that point you're looking at the work where it comes from yeah but if we're looking at it from the sort of pr industry perspective um, do you feel that the i guess the question is whether you feel the industry is is doing enough to ensure that it's in a position to come up with those ideas
2: And they're being listened to by the right people. So I think it comes down to skills. And I think the point Mm -hmm. of change was when PR agencies started to hire creative directors Mm -hmm. and skill up creative teams properly. Mm -hmm. Um, So that means, you know, not just creative director, but content producers and artists and Mm -hmm. and right the way across the range. And ad agencies, you know, have been doing this for years. I think that that was... the change and there is nothing as compelling in in terms of persuading a client of the value of an idea as being able to sit in the room and visualize that Mm -hmm. and you need those skills to do it you can't do it with a press release you can't do it with words or Mm -hmm. bullet points it has to be a visual artist who's able to bring that to life I think that's the change and we're starting to see that work through now.
1: Even Mm -hmm. if you look to something as tactical to a pitch presentation Oh, yeah. You know, you look at the level of visual creativity that now sits within PR agency yeah. pitches. You know, they could they could be ad agency pitches. Yeah, and and
0: some of them could. <laughs> I still see some. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, it's a scalable thing, sure, but you know, unless you're able to recognise the value in selling something creatively mm. and visually, you you kind of have no chance now. Mm. And so I would completely agree that it's about the skills that you bring in to be able to do that, that's, mm. that's starting that pivot.
2: I'm, you know, we're all looking, we're all sharper, smarter, presenting better. You know, even yourself, Arun. Yeah, well, thanks. Got a
0: new great, suit. You're great, great
1: bling, by the way. Excellent bling. <laughs> thanks.
0: Um, wh- one of the quotes we used this year in the review came actually from um, Ketchum CEO Rob Flaherty. Where he said when we get to the point where the biggest campaign idea in the world is created by our people we will have to pay those people one million dollars and i will welcome that day when it comes so that's so will i yeah <laughs> thank you rob look forward to it i was hoping maybe you'd got there already, 2016 but... prediction there you go. um but that i guess kind of sort of encapsulates what you're saying coming up with the ideas is and, and having the people to do that really important are the relationships there with the clients are they are they are they listening with the right clients
1: i think it it, it depends on how you pitch yourself but mm-hmm. as you almost take yourself out of having just a purely pr hat and i'm doing inverted commas which mm-hmm. i realize no one can see because this is a podcast um, <laughs> yeah. When you take yourself out of just doing what traditional PR is and you suddenly start looking at multi-channel comms, all of a sudden that's a different conversation to have with a client and you're looking at brand comms and strategy versus just PR and that in turn opens up doors to bigger budgets and different types of clients if you have the chops to actually prove that you can do that as a business and i think that is something that's happening more and more certainly from from the bigger players where they are having different types of clients and contacts which in turn increases budgets and to rob's point eventually should increase salaries
0: and buys more bling
1: and buys more bling mm you fancy some playing ones?
0: Oh
2: yeah, I've got my eyes set on it. I'm on the only seat for 2016. That's my... Really? Yeah. Well,
0: you need to get into that that $1 million creative role, <laughs> if you're not already. Sorry, I don't want to, you know, cast dispersion. Not quite so. there yet, not <laughs> quite there. Um, so, I mean, this kind of fits in a little bit with this whole theme of agency modernization. You know, it's a kind of uh, topic that, you know, has proved fertile ground, I think, for the PR industry. Um, in recent years, Wads, you yourself have, you know, your PR stack project, which mm. looks at how technology is changing the industry is really kind of interesting in this regard. Um, but I actually wanted to talk about what, uh, some of the agencies that are making these changes. In particular, of course, I think an agency that continues to attract a lot of attention, um, and that's Edelman. We ran a story about how they're changing all of their roles to look, to kind of focus more on specialist skills. They look set to become the first uh, $1 billion PR agency, which I guess is something of a watershed for the industry. And I'm interested to hear your views as friends and rivals as to how you see the rise of Edelman, and in particular, the kind of media attention they attract. So who wants that one? whats <laughs> is looking at Vicky now. <laughs>
2: Vicky's looking at me. That, so, so Edelman is uh, you know, an excellent business, incredibly well run um and and it will will probably be the first billion dollar billion dollar um PR firm mm. um the narrative that you've seen played out recently around change is kind of what we've all been gras- uh, dealing with for the last I'd say three to four to four years it's kind of why i was hired catch him. Mm. Uh, this issue of modernization is is fertile because you know we're all trying to modernize what we do is we shift from traditional forms of media to new forms of media mm. and from working with publics that proxy through the media to working
0: directly. directly yeah i mean to be fair to them they didn't say it was new they, it's been going on so you're cooking up a story yeah, yeah. basically yeah you know you're not learning. rising you get, you get a rising? Of, I'm, you get I'm a lot of traffic biting. when you write about edelman it's one of the things i've learned
1: yeah they appear a lot in they the really uh, do. top 10 news yeah. stories i think and it's because they
0: have five and a half thousand can we talk employees. about
2: the buzzfeedization of that Holmes report maybe
1: yeah for sure really?
0: it's does that and certainly not in terms of revenues <laughs> listicles Mysticals. <laughs> Yes, but... Uh, end of year. I'd like some of that BuzzFeed money. <laughs> that would be nice. From our commercial partners as well. Would be cool. But actually, that's a good, good way to talk about some of the um, digital media platforms and the changes we're so, seeing. So, so is that
2: it? Have we dealt with that on there?
0: Well, you guys uh, don't seem keen on either taking shots or, or you know... Maybe. We're not
2: going to take his shots because it's the end of the year and that's just... Yeah. No,
0: we don't, we don't even want you to take shots. I just think it's interesting that they are an agency that... And, and Ketchum's seen a little bit of it with Russia. Um, H&K has in its history I remember um, the first Gulf War for example uh, but it's just I've, I always find it interesting when, when an agency starts to make news just for itself rather mm. than for its clients and whether you think that's a good thing or not
1: I, I just think it's a natural part of being the biggest player mm-hmm. and, and kind of leading the field everyone is is looking to them to see how they'll deal with certain things and towards this point you know we've all been trying to bring more specialism and new skills into our businesses and have been doing that for years. And the the fact that Edelman have have gone out and said, right, this is our new approach and how we'll be structured, mm. it's just it's bound to create some some groundswell mm. just because almost out of curiosity is mm. to understand, okay, well, is this being reflected internally? What are the practicalities of that? How are clients responding to it? Um, and just because of the nature of their size, they're going to get press coverage. Yeah,
0: right? I think a lot of it is just down to their size. Yeah, um, They get a lot of interest. And maybe that's... I, I imagine they're not always that keen on the level of, mm. of interest they attract. Because, you know, and uh, as a general issue, the way that public relations firms are sometimes covered mm. in the media at large is not always um, positive.
1: Yeah, I mean there's both positive and negative, right, when an agency starts creating coverage for itself. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, most of these stories in your top ten mm. news and long reads are about people moves or offices. It's about resource and structure. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of the industry is fascinated with about oh, Edelman. Gosh, yeah. Because they're like, okay, well, who are the people who are Driving yeah. that ship, and how are they dealing with other markets and because of their size, there are things to be learned from that
0: mm-hmm.
1: of course the the flip side of that is that you know some clients will look at that and think, do I want to be eclipsed by my own agency when they're yeah. getting more coverage than I am yeah. but
0: and when it I mean some of the things in terms of you know climate change and China kind of issues that yeah potentially tran- transcend the industry. <laughs> okay, so um, to finish up then, let's talk a little about some of the digital media platforms that we all know and love. Uh, and I know that you guys have always been on top of all of these um, in terms of talking about what's, what's doing well, what's kind of rising and what's falling. Um, let's start with Twitter. Okay. A lot of talk about how they are somehow struggling um, certainly, in terms of making money, but also, you know, as a as a kind of a a, a user platform. So thoughts.
2: I I, I adore Twitter. Twitter, mm-hmm. I think, Same. is a relationship
0: platform. Yeah.
2: Um, you know, it, it's it's fantastic for public relations because yeah. it's a way you can build relationships, have proper conversations, and engage people around topics and and, and issues. And I think that's why public relations has, has found a you know particularly found a, a niche and a home there the challenge though is you can't monetize that very well and that's a channel challenge twitter face mm. and so then you try the way you try and monetize it is using you know marketing marketing mechanisms like advertising and and it just it just doesn't work there's just not the mm-hmm. volume there to do it and i think you know, it's, it's the challenge that Twitter is is, is struggling with.
1: Still
0: yeah. relevant for brands, though?
1: I think it depends on the brand mm. and what they're trying to do.
0: But it's funny that we're even asking this question now, right? I mean, because a few years ago, it was, I think people thought it was... For,
2: from an, was... from a, a marketing point of view, less and less so. From a wow. news point of view and reputation point of view, absolutely. Because mm. that's where you know, journalists are, it's where stories yeah. break.
1: Yeah. it's it's more so about i mean the role of twitter for brands now is more so towards this point you know the people that you can engage with and create relationships with as a brand but the trouble with that is that there's still from a lot of corners of the world a tendency to view the value by reach and impressions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's like if you're if you're saying that the role is is actually just on the relationship building element but then you're still feeding into KPIs that look at the reach and engagement of your Twitter activity, it's, it, it paints completely the wrong picture. And I think for a lot of um, bigger brands, for sure, they're suffering from that. Mm-hmm. Well, actually Twitter is suffering from that because brands are then looking at value in a different, in a different way to what it can actually deliver.
2: Yeah. Mm. So you can't map a a a marketing model onto Twitter and make money. Mm. That's what they said. Sorry, no one's found a way to do
0: that yet. Mm. Um, Facebook. I mean, that is a marketing model now, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's. I mean, I I I both love watching the Facebook family and its all-encompassing takeover of the world. I think. You know, when you think about the size of the combination of Instagram, Facebook um, and WhatsApp, it's just, mm. it's phenomenal. phenomenal. It's uh-huh. absolutely phenomenal in size. And then you add in um, the, uh, the VR company that they bought. What's his name?
0: It's not Oculus. Oh yeah, Oculus, Oculus Rift. Yeah, sorry, the When you, when you then I'm add in that,
1: and you look at the really incredibly sensible purchases that they've made over the mm. past two years, Instagram, and then you compare it to Twitter. Yeah,
2: yeah. What who, did they buy? Well, and Google Plus. <clears> yeah,
1: Google and and yeah. you know, Twitter Google was Wave. in yeah. Twitter was in an incredible position where it was growing super fast. It had, it was the darling of social and digital. It had money mm-hmm. being thrown at it. And they didn't make the right partnerships that they should have done early on and look to which pieces of technology they needed to plug into Twitter to give it real value.
0: But hasn't, I mean, Facebook has, to me, seems to have addressed that by turning itself into very clearly a paid media platform. Um, Is that not something Twitter's either been able to do or have they just missed the boat on that?
1: I think they've just missed the boat on it and they, mm-hmm. haven't, they haven't acquired sense But of isn't it. that a
0: good thing for users?
2: So the user experience on Twitter's very good, but it's no good if the platform's not making any money and you yeah. know the money's going to burn out mm. at some point.
1: And actually their weird testing of algorithms yeah. and strange cool. adverts and stuff Moments. is it, it, it's <laughs> not...
2: <laughs> Moments has just rolled out and Yeah, UK literally today. I saw yeah. it, yeah. Uh, and, you know, and polls, it's just odd. It's just really odd. You know, <laughs> if we were sat here maybe last year or the year before, we would have been questioning whether, you know, Facebook was, what the future of Facebook was yeah. because the kids were uh, seemingly, you know.
0: On Snapchat. constantly
2: deserting of yeah. it. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's absolutely not happened. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. They recorded this year their, their first one billion users in a day, not wow. in a month, in a day. Um, and if you look at, and I, I agree uh, and, uh, with Vicky. If you look at the, the strategy of the people running um, Facebook, you know, they're just very, very smart. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Also, they're backing this year of internet.org. So, mm. you know, um, they've created this project to, yep. to put the internet in the hands of everyone around the world by 2030. And that, yeah, it's incredible ambition.
1: Yeah. Mm. And you know, to allow me to just be like a little bit inwards looking for a second, our you know h and k way of thinking at the moment is about purpose, mm-hmm. and you see that <clears throat> cropping up in so much of the 2015 work, mm-hmm. that sense of social good yep. being a bit bigger than yourselves. Yep. and actually, maybe Twitter and Facebook are the perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. Facebook has a very clear purpose yep. Outside of what it does, it has a clear motivation for why it does it. Mm -hmm. You can just think about the Zuckerberg Foundation, the internet.org, all of that. It's very clear about that. And yet Twitter just doesn't have that. And I'm not saying that that's the only thing that has caused, you know, this kind of slowing of it as a community. But when you look at the two side by side and the things that Facebook have done to try and meet that, that purpose... You know,
2: well, so, you know, Zuckerberg wants to connect everybody on the internet. Yeah. You know, Of course he wants everyone to use Facebook as well, but, um, mm. um, you know, that very, very clear purpose you can see through every single decision and acquisition mm. that that make,
0: organisation no makes. No concerns about makes. the kind of increasingly walled garden that Facebook is?
1: I, I am not concerned about it yet because mm-hmm. they haven't made the final stage of joining up the dots. Mm. Um I think in the next 18 months, we'll see a lot of that in terms of how Instagram and Facebook and WhatsApp connect together, Mm. because effectively what they're building behind the scenes is this phenomenal database of people's behaviours. And what they do with that, they're going to have to treat with a hell of a lot of responsibility. And I think that will actually be the turning point for them as an organisation, not just a business, but will they do the right thing with that data or will they try and flog it for a bunch of money? And I'm hoping that it's it's not just the latter. Of course, they're going to do it in some ways because we know how mm-hmm. Facebook behaves. But
2: you know, I, so so I we've we've seen in the past when Facebook has tried to do something or has done something around privacy or made a change to the algorithm that its users, publics, have, have disagreed with. Um, you know, the 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 reaction is furious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and instant, and, you know, these st- this stuff gets rained back very, very quickly. Um, so you've kind of got to believe that they're smart enough to do yeah. the right thing. Mm.
0: LinkedIn.
2: Yeah, LinkedIn. So Link- LinkedIn's LinkedIn. had a good year in yeah. 2015. LinkedIn, really good LinkedIn wins. I'm well, so
1: pro-LinkedIn
2: right yeah. now. Well, Hang on. What about the spam?
1: Oh, So okay. why are we
2: pro? We're pro because it's opened up the publishing platform, yeah. right? Yeah.
1: I'm pro for the publishing platform. I um, think they've stepped
0: up their... Their analytics and, and the way you can share yeah. stuff on there is, is is so much more robust now.
1: I also think their, their um, performance marketing stuff is really great. Mm-hmm. So the actual tracking of people from LinkedIn onwards, the retargeting mm. stuff, uh, all of that element, all of those elements are really smart and they're incredibly efficient mm-hmm. and they're working really well in terms of spend versus lead and then sale. And you know, considering that they have refocused themselves as a B2B community and they've gone, right, we're just going to do B2B. Hmm. I love to see that from them because it's it's actually them trying to do that versus ticking all of the boxes.
2: It's back to that purpose thing again, isn't it? You know, mm. professional community, supporting your professional life through, yeah. through your career. Yeah. Um, you know, you saw that through the acquisition of Linda. We Linda, were yeah. talking about that before we came on air and, and you know, that's that's... Another mm-hmm. example mm-hmm. of an organization doing the right thing. And
0: was... you mentioned spam?: D- Just that the,
2: you know, there is an issue with bad behavior and the tools aren't there to, to deal with that yet. So mm-hmm. you know we've all had the instance of, well two things really, um, fake profiles you know, mm-hmm. which you can report but take time to get to get removed. Um, but then the instance of somebody connecting with you and then um, you accept the connection and moments later. Um, Getting spammed with sales stuff. Spam with sales yeah. stuff. And oh, that's just is that
0: what happens? Okay.
2: You must have that all
0: the time. Um, you, I'm quite strict with who I accept right. connections from. Okay. I, wonder I if feel I honored. <laughs> <laughs> I still have like thousands, but um, <laughs> not that I'm saying you should. Wow. You know, you, clearly, you're a connection. <laughs> um, I'm going to go and check. You now. made it through the various stages of, <laughs> of vetting. But actually, people have said to me that they just accept all. You know, requests right. on LinkedIn.
1: Interesting, are, yeah.
0: Which I've always found. Well, you've
2: got to be really careful because mm. you know there are fake profiles out yeah. there. There are yeah. people, um, you know, harvesting data right. of networks. You just got to be
0: careful. Mm. So, what's next? What are the other um, social networks, um, social media, digital media platforms that you think are either making a splash or, or are going to you know, Snapchat um, becoming a real thing?
1: For me, I'm more excited by all of the free little apps that allow mm-hmm. you to do phenomenal things with content. Stuff mm-hmm. like photo, even... Yeah. even insta- Word swag. Yeah, stuff yeah. like that that just is really clever use of this phenomenal bit of technology yeah. that everyone has in their hand and actually allows people to produce, in some instances, really high-quality content. And I think the rise of people using those well... Are actually, is actually more interesting to me than you know. Yeah. What's the next yeah. Snapchat?
0: So it's stuff that facilitates the use of. Yeah. The, so the big platforms are already there and.
2: Well, I, I so I think we underestimate. You know, it's very easy sitting in in mm-hmm. London or North America to to look yeah, at Facebook, sure. LinkedIn, Twitter. We haven't and, talked
0: about WeChat and. Well, so Wexin, I you know, I think
2: yeah. I still think that the. In three years that's grown to 600 million subscribers mm-hmm. the bit that they've cracked that Facebook is yet to crack is um, is payments mm-hmm. um, e-commerce e-commerce is completely yeah. cracked yeah. Mm-hmm. you know I've been tinkering with a lot over the last few weeks with the Apple pay and just at the moment the experience mm-hmm. is so that's how Twitter hard work and couldn
0: make money but maybe there are some other you know privacy concerns and data concerns and so right. on that perhaps WeChat doesn't think, have to deal with. I think with.
1: also Twitter now is going to suffer from the problem of people's perception of it as doing one thing. Mm. And what Facebook has done quite well is actually evolve what the community is by making quite big changes to the platform and then rolling them out. Mm-hmm. Whereas Twitter, I think people still see it as short messages, the occasional photo, I'm going to use this while I'm watching TV. Mm and maybe that's yeah it and so to try and reintroduce something new around payments or e-commerce i think will be quite challenging for. at me. this
0: point yeah sure any others fine it's so what's a video um mm-hmm.
2: you know to, to richer content um video mm-hmm. is being rewarded and indexing highly across all all platforms so that's you know short video formats it's people posting short Videos, so you know the Facebook re- algorithm rewards that highly, um, and um, you know I think we're going to see more and more of that it's a really interesting point actually. I hadn't thought about this: people are actually posting better content mm. on on the network, so yeah. less dog and cat pictures and more people thinking more about the type of content that yeah. they're posting. You're certainly seeing that from from brands.
1: Mm. I mean, we
2: kind of went through this stage where brands. You know, posted very, very highly, highly produced, curated Mm -hmm. content. Spending a lot of money. And and, still are. There's still 50 grand vines (laughs) (laughs) kicking around, for sure. Get it while you can. Um, But, you know, then we went through couple of, you know, the last couple of years, we've gone through much more scrappy, real-time work. And I think there is a quality coming back, Mm. for sure.
0: Okay. Not the budgets, necessarily. Mm. Need to work on that. Yeah. That's a topic for our next podcast, which um, hopefully will be in 2016. If uh, well, it will be in 2016. We're going to continue with the podcast series. (laughs) They've been very popular. And actually, I should point out that both of you were in our top five most popular podcast guests this year. So. Well done! This has been legendary. Having Career goal, here. <laughs> <High> five. <laughs> yeah. Career achievement level <laughs> 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 unlocked. Um, so no, it's been amazing having you both here, having you know social media superstars both in one place at one time. Um, have a great break, and we'll see you both next year. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's been thanks a delight. For us. Cool. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Marketeers 4DC for producing today's show. We'll be back in a couple of weeks.